Vince McMahon Sr. certainly is a legend as far as our sport is concerned. You came to me in a dream last night. Welcome to WrestleMania! You were standing in a Federation has ever known. If we don't pull it together, I will see all of you in hell. In hell. In hell. In hell. There is no next year. There is no tomorrow. Shane and I just couldn't wait for you to die. Off. Me and my click put on. I'm like a young McMahon. I'm here to get your bitch off. Like I'm Rick Flair. Little finger to the big balls. Man, aka police. Cause I'm over your head like The end is near. Adam, welcome to episode 7 of the Middle East Outlaws podcast. Um, it's a very special episode, so I've not even done the usual um, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. So there it is. Um, welcome to episode 7 of the Middle East Outlaws podcast. Uh, I am here as always with Adam. Adam, how's it going? Yeah, good thanks. Yourself? I'm good thanks. I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm <laughs> nervous uh, at the prospect of Kevin Dunn listening to the podcast and picking us up as future <laughs> Raw and Smackdown bookers. Um, so last episode... Um, which was about a month ago now, we uh, we had our CM Punk episode, episode 6. Um, yep. This week, instead of a top 5, we're going absolutely wild and we're going to try and rebook the invasion angle. The invasion, which happened in 2001, of WWE by WCW and ECW. How are you feeling about it? Yeah, th- th- this this is difficult, <laughs> and it's one of those where you you look and it's really obvious so many mistakes that were made, but to actually work out things to do it right is is another matter and difficult. But it's um, it's quite interesting to just look and remind yourself what happened and think to yourself, ah, why did they do that and come up with ideas that are different but maybe would have worked or could have worked um yeah. but yeah I, I, I was saying to you a few times in between uh deciding to do this and tonight just how big it is and how many different possibilities there are and knock-on effect of going a different direction for one little element and things like that it's uh yeah it's huge it is it's very easy to to monday morning quarterback 
um, and there's a lot of people do it, most wrestling fans do it, um, but when you sit down to try and look at this, my, it's, uh, you're, uh, you're totally right, it's, it's a difficult thing to do because you want to do it well, um, but we are just two guys on a podcast <laughs> and nobody gives a flying <laughs> anything about what we're going to say here, so um, let's give it a bash. Uh, shall we jump in and remind ourselves of what happened um, from round about the time when Vince McMahon purchased his competition um, and bought WCW? We'll go back and, and just have a quick recap of what all happened at that point um, yeah. and we can point out what an absolute stinking mess they made of it <laughs> and then we can make our own stinking mess of it. <laughs> so... Um, on in March 26 March 2001, uh, we had a very special episode of Raw, which was um, multicast. Is that the right word? Multicast. S- simulcast. 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 Um, with WCW Nitro, uh, and the news was that Vince McMahon had, like I said, bought his competition. He bought WCW. Um, you and I both watched the final Nitro quite recently. Yeah. Um, and Vince was in full peacocking mode. Um, he, yeah, he was. He was being incredibly slimy and smarmy, and um, being incredibly handsy with Trish Stratus as well. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. That it was actually quite good to go back and watch the old episode Nitro. And uh, since then, I've been delving further back and watching more of it. Um, but yeah, it's a good episode, actually. And I think at the time, that, that shock of Shane McMahon coming out at the end of Raw when Vince, made his, Vince came out and made his big speech about, was he going to hire Hulk Hogan? What about Jeff Jarrett? And he's doing all that sort of stuff, <laughs> trying to get um, the fans and, and get a gauge for the fans on who they want to see signed, or who they want to see in WWF. Um so yeah, yeah, it was it was a good episode, and then like I say, you got Shane coming out and declaring that it would be a McMahon that signed the contract, but it wouldn't be Vince McMahon; it would be Shane McMahon. Yeah. Um, and this was your go go home Raw just before WrestleMania seventeen, in which Vince was going to be fighting Shane in a street fight. Was it a street fight or was it just a normal match? I think it maybe was a street fight. Um, yeah. I, I... I can't really remember the the stipulations. I remember bits and pieces about the match, like Shane going coast to coast and things like that. But yeah, I think it was certainly a no holds barred in some some way. There was trash cans and and all that sort of stuff, wasn't there? Yeah. So at WrestleMania 17, we had a total bunch of no mark WCW wrestlers (laughs) sitting up in the box watching them. As far as I can, I can remember seeing uh, Sean Stasiak sitting and like remembering to celebrate when the camera came on him. <laughs> um, but at this point in time, probably alarm bells were ringing because you're thinking, okay, so where's, um, I didn't see Goldberg sitting there. <laughs> I didn't yeah. see uh, Sting sitting there. So yeah. yeah. So things went, things went a bit quiet um, until the end of May when Landstorm kicks off the invasion. He appears out of the crowd on a random episode of Raw um, during a, weirdly, an intergender tag team match. Yep. St- Steve Blackman um, pairing with Trish Stratus, which I thought was a weird one. 
Um, and yeah, Landstorm hits Perisitter on a super kick and kicks off the invasion. Um, which was quite a monumental thing to happen at the time as well. Pretty exciting thing. Yep. Yeah, and I, I was a Landstorm guy, so, you know, I, I was all for that. But in hindsight, maybe not the superstar you would want to kick off such an angle with, but, you know, never mind. Yeah, so, yeah, so that kind of um, anticlimactic feeling continues when uh, a couple of weeks from then, or, or, yeah, a couple of weeks from then, Hugh Morris appears on Raw. Hugh Morris appears on Raw uh, and attacks Edge. <laughs> In a similar fashion, he, he hits an incredible, like a really, really good moonsault um, from a top rope on edge. And as he's doing this, you get this kind of Lego looking WCW logo flashing up on the Titantron because we need to be hit over the head with the fact that Hugh Morris is not signed to WWF. Yeah. Um, from here, things progress. Um, during this time, Undertaker's wife. Uh, Sarah of his throat fame um, has been being stalked by some creepy guy and when that person is revealed, I think this is on a Raw as well yep. um, is revealed to be none other than Diamond Dallas Page Wow <laughs> <laughs> So that's that um, One of our probably our biggest star maybe um, with the exception of Booker T that they've actually got in contract um, yeah. is revealed to be stalking the Undertaker's wife so yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm sure we'll talk about that uh, fast forward King of the Ring next week Booker T gets involved in the King of the Ring main event you've got a triple threat match for the title you've got Jericho who's the champion at that time I think is that right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure that's right, yeah. Uh, Jericho versus Benoit versus Austin. Booker T attacks Stone Cold, picks him up and puts him through the table. Um, and I want to say that he legit injured Stone Cold in this. Is that right? Yeah. yeah, that's right. Yeah, not the probably the best way to introduce yourself. But um, no, I, I, I think... Yeah. Uh, I think we're we're both Booker T guys and you know we'll probably talk about the fact that so much more of this should have maybe been built around him initially mm. anyway um but yeah imagine debuting and injuring the biggest star you know the franchise on your basically your opening night that's um that's it's not nightmare. ideal yeah. <laughs> yeah and I'm sure I've heard on things there was an issue with Booker T not shaking the right hands backstage and all that sort of stuff as well yeah. Um, have you heard the same thing? I can't remember where I've heard that. Yeah, I, I, I think, was it in a book somewhere or something like that? Possibly. And he, he, he just, um, I think, you know, protocol, you, you seek out the uh, experienced guys, um, you know, I would be thinking guys like Undertaker and, and people like that, and um, you just introduce yourself. And I think it's kind of always been the way, you know, tradition. Um, I heard a lot of stories about how people had to do that with uh, Andre back in the day. Right. Um, and if basically you get on these people's good side, you, you'll be fine with everyone else. Um, so yeah, I think uh, maybe just, I think because WCW was run so differently and things like that, mm. maybe we just didn't know, didn't mm. go in with the knowledge that this is what you're supposed to do. Um, so yeah, not not the best introduction overall. 
It's quite an archaic thing, I suppose. We're talking 20 odd years ago as well, I suppose. But anyway. Yeah. Um, anyway, so this this invasion, although it's not been at this point, we've not had Shane McMahon saying this is what's happening, but we've got an invasion on our hands now. Yeah. Um, things are ramping up. Next night after King of the Ring, Mike Awesome uh, interferes in a hardcore match between Test and Rhino and wins the hardcore title in WWF's uh, back garden in Madison Square Garden. Um, things take an odd turn uh, towards the start of July where after um, after being knocked back, I believe, that the w- WWF had initially had hopes of securing a broadcasting deal with TNN. Um, yeah. And they were basically going to do their own version of Nitro or something like that. Anyway, a WCW programme. Um, yeah. TNN, uh, is, it sounds like they got cold feet when they realised that there wouldn't actually be any of the WCW marketable stars available. Yeah. Um, so they, they don't they don't have that to fall back on. Um, so what they do instead at the start of July is they dedicate the final hour of Raw to WCW and put it on like a WCW show. Um, and their marquee event is Booker T and Buff Bagwell as their main event, and apparently it went down like a lead balloon. Yeah. Who'd have thought a main event with Buff Bagwell would have went? Yeah, it's it's a funny one. I don't know if you remember when you're watching the, uh, the you know, Vince in front of the Raw crowd asking who they're excited to see, you know, what stars they're, they'd like to see signed to, to the roster and all that. And I was really surprised because Bagwell actually got a decent reaction from the crowd. Um, but I think as soon as they, you know, put these guys in the main event, it just fell really flat, and mm. I think there was there were a few issues. Like there was no build to it, you know. There, there wasn't a a reach out and a you know awareness for the audience that this is what's going to be happening, and also um, I, I can't remember where I saw or heard this, but I believe they had a week or two later uh, a raw in Atlanta, um, which was WCW Stronghold, mm. you know, um, and if they'd just waited and held off. They would have had a crowd that were used to seeing these talents, yeah. and you just think how how different it could have been had they um, given them that platform instead. Could have been a really good opportunity to use as a foundation. Yeah. Um, so they try again, following uh, SmackDown, and they have a cruiserweight title match between Billy Kidman and Sugar Shane Helms, which apparently goes over pretty well. Yep. Um, but I think by this time Vince has got sour taste in his mouth and has decided that WCW should die. Yeah. Um, it's scary to see how quickly you know they actually came to that conclusion. It's it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so fast forward to the following Raw, and this is where the um, you're you're back to your regular. McMahon sponsored broadcasting. Um, ECW wrestlers look as if they are sorry. Former ECW wrestlers, uh, Dudley Boys. Uh, I'm not going to name Just Incredible. They had quite a lot on their, yeah. their roster at that time. Taz, um, guys like that. They decide they decide to um, turn their back on the WWF and declare that the invasion just turned extreme. Um, Mr. Heyman gets up from the from his announcer's desk and 
comes into the ring. Um, which might have been quite cool if Paul Heyman had been the one that was actually leading it, but um, yeah. Shane reveals to us that the, the new owner of ECW is the billion dollar princess herself, Stephanie McMahon, and she starts wearing a hat backwards so you know she's extreme. <laughs> um, so WCW and ECW team up to form the alliance. From then on, we get a big long thing about Vince wanting the old Stone Cold back and um, the, the the go home raw before the big invasion pay-per-view we get the old Stone Cold back and if you've ever watched that episode or if you've ever even watched the bit where he comes out from the pub uh, from the bar after he starts throwing pool balls about the place after classy Freddie Blassie's got up from his wheelchair yeah. um, it absolutely blows the roof off uh, off of the arena that they're in. Um, and Austin goes crazy, stunning every single member of the, the alliance, which is really, really quite good uh, television. But, um, yeah, that leads us to the Invasion pay-per-view. Um, a quick bit of information, Adam. Um, the Invasion pay-per-view is the highest-grossing non-WrestleMania pay-per-view in WWE history. Oh, wow. Wow. So people wanted to see this. Mm -hmm. they, um, they maybe didn't want to see what was delivered in the end, but they, they wanted to see it, basically. Are you, are you telling me that people went throwing money away to watch Errol Hebner throw <laughs> what could only be described as bit slaps towards Nick Patrick? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's main event, you know, all day, any day. Um... Yeah. If, if anybody had ever said to you, like if if WCW and WWF ever were to have a like a one on one pay per view, what would be the match you want to see? <laughs> you would say, I want a, th a six man tag. I want Chris Canyon, Hugh Morris, and Meat, and I want them versus the Big Show, the One Billy Gun, and that Harry Pierce guy. Yeah. No. I'm uh, I'm I'm just looking at the lineup of matches right now. And oh, wow, I can't actually believe this sold well. Um, but it's the idea of it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And you know, you do have things in there. You know, RVD, Jeff Hardy. I think that's something people really wanted to see. Aye. But they they could have had that anyway. You know, they they didn't they didn't need the WCW stars for that. Yeah. Um, and you know, looking at uh, Edge and Christian against Landstorm, Mike Awesome. That's you know four very good performers in a match yeah Lance um, Storm because that, were they called Team Canada um, uh, yeah I think so um, they were really good uh, together yeah and you know there, there are there's interesting matchups on there um, maybe not as stacked as you would hope when you've just brought in you know basically a, your competition's roster full but it's still you know there, there are some matches on there that are pretty interesting yeah um, so the main event of the Invasion pay-per-view was supposed to pit WCW and ECW's best against WWF's best. Um, what you uh, what we we had envisioned in our mind um, probably doesn't conjure up what actually happened. But Booker T, Dudley's DDP, and Rhino. How'd he sneak in there? <laughs> um, versus Jericho. The Undertaker, Kane, Kurt Angle and Stone Cold. Um, and as we all know, Stone Cold 
um, defected to the Alliance, screwing WWF, uh, hits, hit Kurt Angle with Stunner, threw Booker T on top, and the Alliance won. Um, yeah. I'm not going to go through everything from there, but basically every pay-per-view after that was kind of like a WWF versus WCW or something like that theme. Um, went through the months up to November, which uh, coincided with Survivor Series 2001, yeah. um, where things escalated to a uh, winner-takes-all WWF versus the Alliance, and you will never believe this, but WWF won. Who would have thought? Um, we had Rock yeah. Jericho, Undertaker, Kane and Big Show versus Stone Cold Kurt Angle, who defected RVD, Booker T and Shane McMahon. Yeah. Shane McMahon fighting for the Alliance. So, yeah, that's what we got. Yeah. <laughs> what are we going to just one more thing before we jump into what we're wanting to do. I just want to highlight something, right? So we've got WCW. Essentially, we've got WCW versus WWF um, when he when he purchases purchases them in March two thousand and one. Yeah. Right. For, uh, from the time when Vince purchases WCW, these up up until the end of the invasion, these are your main event matches in every pay per view, right? Stone Cold v The Rock. Stone Cold and Triple H versus Undertaker and Kane. Stone Cold v The Undertaker. Stone Cold v Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho. The Invasion pay-per-view. The Rock v Booker T. Kurt Angle v Stone Cold. Stone Cold v Kurt Angle and RVD. And then the Survivor Series winner takes all. So really? we've got one WCW guy <laughs> in all of yeah. those main events. Yeah, they've actually used um, ECW stars more, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which probably says quite a lot. Um, yeah, it's it's interesting. It's crazy. Yeah. So how are we going to do it? Yeah, I was thinking about this because I'll, I'll sort of speak through what I've got in terms of notes without actually saying what what's contained in them. Cool. But I've kind of gone more like um, story arcs, cool. you know. So um, I I talk about uh, the fact that, you know, I never really bought into this is Shane and Stephanie and how I think it could have been done differently from that, Um, which does involve a little bit of manoeuvring because I'm fine with it being Shane that night and then through Mania, but then I want a change to take place. Um, Before you go, I am a thousand percent with you. Okay. (laughs) I want to do the same, so yeah, let's do that. Cool. Um, yeah, and then I'm I'm kind of going from there to talking about the fact, you know, I would have had, because Booker T's your guy that you've got immediately, I would have had him go on a, a win streak. Um, and, you know, you can start him off lower and then build him up and then becomes a main event guy. They just kind of threw him in and then he lost and then, you know, where did he have to go from mm-hmm. there? Um, I talk, uh, I've got notes about um, the bringing in Sting at a point when realistically they could have and bringing in Goldberg at a point when realistically they could have. Um, I I think you talked about this and I was just agreeing when I was starting to look at this about the fact that the whole thing could have gone a bit longer and I wouldn't have had the invasion as such 
take place until I had the NWO on on the books. So I've got a bit about that. Um, and what else have I got? I think those are the, the main things I've got. Um, and did I say I've got... Uh, yeah, I've got a little bit about how you could move into an Austin Goldberg feud, which is basically what, what people would have loved to have seen. Um, so yeah, th- those are kind of the, the sort of separate story arcs okay. that, that I uh, thought up with. But if, if you want to go first for, a, you know, it not being led by the McMahons, <laughs> if you like... Um, because that was the first thing I wrote about, just because, you know, watching it as a fan, I just didn't buy it. <laughs> nah. Like you say, I think I think the Shane gotcha, um, that, that Raw before WrestleMania was fine. Yeah. Like, that was good television. Yeah. Um, but post-WrestleMania 17, like, you can you can argue it or you, you can explain it as he wanted to get in his dad's head, it worked. Yep. He beat him at WrestleMania 17. Ha ha. Um, however, I'm now going to be a silent partner. I'm giving, yeah. I'm going to give the reins to meet your your new owner yep. of WCW. Yeah. Um, so let's just very quickly explain who we are missing um, as a result of the WC uh, the WWF purchase um, and the kind of complicated uh, situation around Time Warner contracts. Mm-hmm. Um, Ric Flair, Rey Mysterio, Sting, Hulk Hogan, Goldberg, Scott Hall and Kevin Nash. Essentially, all your main sort of players, yep. apart from Rey Mysterio, um, have decided to take money. They've got guaranteed contracts and WWE, uh, WWF apparently weren't willing to pay them more. Yeah. Um, so all those guys sat out. Um, the, the problem with fantasy booking is you could just say, right, all of them are in from the start. They're all in. Yeah. And I, I thought about going to... There was a thing I watched. I don't know if you, you were aware of it, but Jim Cornette has basically done this. He has tried to rebook this angle because he thinks no. it was trash. Um, uh, I think I've it's on YouTube. some of the matches that he's booked. Yeah. And Did I, you have Stone Cold I, versus Dusty Rhodes? I think so. I think there, there was some weird stuff in there. Sorry, go on, go on. He, he was massively saying, look, they, they could have got these guys quite easily. But I think there was an underlying feeling of these guys are WCW. If you bring them in, you kind of have to put them in the main event straight away because they're at that level mm. and the fans won't let you not. And... I think there was a belief from a lot of observers out with that they didn't want to do that. They didn't actually want to bring in people who could potentially overshadow their top guys. God, it's madness. Yeah. um, Because, you know, there's two weekly shows and monthly pay-per-views. There is room to bring in main event guys. There's new matches that have never been seen before out there. But, yeah. uh, So, yeah, um, he, he was definitely of the belief that you could have just gone and got them. I didn't work that way when I was looking through this. I looked at, see, when on the spreadsheet, you put when people's contracts ended. Mm-hmm. I more looked at, okay, so then you can get them. Um, which is why, in my way of thinking, the full sort of invasion, you know, the actual 
okay, now we have the WCW power to stand up to WWE rather than just being a few scattered individuals. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, would have come when the NWO were signed. Um, and I think... So it was February, February 2. Yeah, and it probably pushes everything back like a year, mm-hmm. you know, or, or basically a year. Um, and you could then, I think, have a convincing... These guys could win, you know, um, whereas what we had there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think I think we need to agree on on what we're on what we're gonna do. I think I think to give us a challenge. Yep. Um we should try and book it in the period where they booked it. Okay. So from from twenty sixth of March up to Survivor Series 2001. Okay. However, I think we should also allow ourselves to be able to bring some of these people in. Right. Um, there's a difference between bringing some of them in and then saying, um, and then the the roster from New Japan appeared. <laughs> and So I think, in, like, if you're wanting to do this properly, the NWO have to be there. Yeah. I think Sting has to be there. Yeah. I, honestly, personally, I don't hugely care about Goldberg. Okay, um, because I think when I was thinking about it, Goldberg wasn't actually going to be involved in the... You know, I, I wasn't thinking a match for, you know, the company because that's just, to me... It's almost taking the mech, it's not a realistic thing. But I was more looking at stakes of a match for letting us run our own show, you know, one of the programmes or something like that. But I I wouldn't have had Goldberg in. Goldberg, for me, would have come in at a later date and would have, you know, blindsided Austin or something like that. Um, Because you've got the three-person dynamic for NWO anyway. And he doesn't naturally fit with that. So I think, and I actually wouldn't have had Sting in it either because the way I would have had it map out is someone from the Alliance would have turned. It would have potentially been a a guy who realistically would be with them but then turns his back on them, you know. Um, and then you're almost full in terms of your numbers anyway. You I like, know, I like that thinking, follow that thread through because that's... Yeah. That could be interesting. Like somebody like Benoit or Jericho. Mm-hmm. I hate talking Jeri- about Benoit on this podcast. Yeah, Jericho <laughs> was in my mind as a realistic person to do it. Um, you know, because he was the sort of sneaky heel mm-hmm. and he could be sucking up to them as the new guys in town. And, you know, now that he's made it and he's on their level, you know, they can, they can band together and take over the company and all that. And then his turn's natural because he hated WCW by the end, so he yeah. could turn his back on them realistically. But yeah, that's, um, that's the issue. Like it, it's known that Jericho hated WCW, and yeah. like like a lot of guys of his level at that time, they just felt sidetracked because of the likes of NWO. Mm-hmm. Um, Benoit was the same. That's how you got the radicals. Um, I'm just looking down the list of uh, guys that were uh, on the roster at the time. Like X Pac, you you could obviously see going over. Mm-hmm. Um, he, yeah. he was obviously in the NWO. Um, 
I've seen people say that they would like to have seen Triple H align with uh, the NWO. But for for me, that feels yeah. like it's a bit meta in that everybody knows about the click. Yeah. Um, and it, it just doesn't... He did wrestle in WCW, mm-hmm. but he's another one that left because of the poor opportunities he was getting and his first yeah. in WWE. I don't know what the, you know, 2001, I don't know what the sort of level of smart fan there was in terms of people knowing, you know, I, I was thinking things like Big Show was in NWO mm-hmm. and then, and he is apparently genuinely good friends with Hogan. Would people know that or would they just look at, oh, why did he leave? He must have left because he thought they were sinking or, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wondered if he could be a realistic person, but there's there's a few options. I, I like the Jericho one just because I could see him playing it. <laughs> I suppose the problem... We're not going to get anywhere here, are we? I suppose <laughs> the problem that you've got is that you've got two different sort of factions that you want to invade, especially... Well, if you include Hogan, Nash and Hall, mm-hmm. you've, you, you kind of have them invade and not be NWO. Yeah. Um, but the, your invasion, what you want to do ultimately is say finish at Survivor Series with WCW versus WWF. Yeah. But it's really difficult with NWO because, like I said to you, I think uh, in between episodes, they've done this angle to perfection with the NWO Uh when they first invaded, when when Hall appeared on Nitro, wandering through the crowd. Um, Yes, it spiralled out of control, but for a period of time, it was done perfectly. Yeah. Um, and I think that's where I have a sort of conflicted feeling about if you're supposed to be doing an alignment of people saying, I want, you know, like, I'm fighting for this company versus I'm fighting for the, uh, yeah. the livelihood where, of this company. Where in my mind it, I was trying to make it tie in was with Yusuf Bischoff, who I would be bringing in as someone rather than, you know, a Shane. Um because much as he had his on-screen I'm the NWO guy, you know, I'm with them, he was in charge of WCW for years. Um, so, yeah, he would have kind of been my tool to try and make that workable. Okay. So follow that thread, right? 2nd April Raw, Shane McMahon comes out and said, I did it, I beat, I beat Vince McMahon, I crushed his ego and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, you know, I don't, Dad. I don't care about WCW. All I wanted was to well you up, uh, and it worked. It worked a treat. From now on, I'm going to be a silent owner of w- uh, WCW. You'll never see me. Uh, I'll be in the background. Let me introduce to you the new owner, or the the I don't know what would you say, chief operating um, officer or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's probably the right term. Yeah. Um, WCW and then Bischoff comes out with his cheesy grin smiling yep. at everybody waving to Vince um, where would you take where could you where would you take it for there he's nowhere in, he's nowhere in an NWO shirt or anything like that um, where, yeah, where do I, you take it for there so I think he appears you know you, you, after Mania's done he's he's appeared he's come out on a raw and he said you know Shane's done his bit, as you say. I think he's appeared before the NWO have appeared. Mm-hmm. And um, I think 
he, the, the way I was trying to figure it out in my mind is, say you've got a WCW guy in a match against a WWF guy, and, or he's being double teamed or something like that, you know, something where the odds are very much against the WCW guy, and I would want Bischoff to lead a charge of people coming out in support of WCW wrestlers. Ooh. Yeah, I like that. Um, and I, I don't know whether, I mean, would it be Hogan Nash Hall all coming out at that point, or would it just be one of them or someone, you know, who... What, what if you had, what if you had, what if you had Jericho and Benoit in a tag team match, right? Mm-hmm. Versus two people. I don't even know what side of the heel face, sort of. Yeah, but, that, that's difficult. <laughs> forget that, we're, we're fantasy booking, right? <laughs> so you got Jericho and Benoit versus, who's a tag team here, the APA. Yeah. In a tag match on Raw. And the, the APA get chairs and start smashing them, right? And then everyone turns black and white, get the music, and uh, Hall and Nash peer for separate sides of the crowd and start laying in the APA. Uh, Benoit and Jericho are just kind of like, once they've regained everything, they're just watching them, going like, what are they doing here? And then Scott Hall does the, the two-fingered, you know, the, the two-hand uh, point, yep. and uh, music's still playing. Hogan comes down playing the guitar and all that. Bischoff comes with them, behind them, and they lay in the APA and spray paint their backs. And as they're walking out the ring, Hogan throws the spray paint can to like Benoit or Jericho in the catch and they're looking at them like, what's this all about? And that's it. Oh, I like that. They leave. Yeah. Because you can play that as who's with them. Is anyone with them? You know, you, you can... Cause a, a little, it does play so much like what was done with the NWO in the first place, but that worked and it was gold, you know. Mm. Um, but you can play on the, is that the ex-WCW guy with these guys? Are they, are they in on this or are they, you know, um, and potentially one of them is, one of them isn't, you know, something like that. Aye. And you've got loads of them on the roster, so I'm just looking down here. You've got, well, you've got Big Show that you said. Mm-hmm. Um you have got... Do, 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 do. Haku, was he? Uh, Haku, I think he was in WCW. And yeah. You've got Raven, uh, yeah. William Regal, X-Pac. So this could keep happening. And mm-hmm. and even in random matches, just the music could come on. And they, yeah. don't, they don't even need to come out. Yeah. Uh, maybe sometimes Scott Hall sitting ringside. Or times you've got Kevin Nash joining them on commentary. And he's like... Smiling and giving a thumbs up to like the ex WCW guy, um, and then say this happens for I don't know a month, off and on. So because you kind of do it every week, yeah. Um, so Vince comes out and says, "Right, I need to know who's on my side and who's with those. Who's with them?" <laughs> But like it. Was it? Was it do from there? Call it. Call everybody around the ring. Yeah. And, um, and what if he, he says? What if he says something like, "Big Show, get in here." Uh, your former WCW. Your friends with Hogan. Who are you with? And and 
Big Show doesn't respond immediately, so he like gets everybody in the ring and they all beat him down. Oh, I like that. So that leads leads to Big Show saying, "Do you know what? Screw you! I wasn't. I was. I was with you, but mm -hmm. I'm not anymore." He joins up with the NWO. I like it. I don't know where we're going for here. You, you, <laughs> you say something. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I mean, the, so the end point is the, the match at Survivor Series, mm -hmm. right? So is it a good thing if... I, I like this when it was done by the original NWO, although you never get as big a surprise as it being Hogan, but maybe you don't know who the team is for WCW. You, you know who some of them are. And um, I think to make it work as well, you need to have X at least one ex-WCW guy on the WWF team yeah. because you need to have that wondering, is that guy going to turn mid-match? So know? that could easily be Jericho because he yeah. could be explaining himself, like, why would I go back there? I hated it there. Yeah. Um, everybody knows that I went to Vince's house and, and I pleaded with them to sign with WWF. They were misusing me and all that sort of stuff. So that could be him. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I think... Everything that you're building week on week with the, you know, Bischoff, the NWO, the uncertainty about the other guys is, for me, leading up to this confrontation. Um, I mean, I think you were the same as me in hating the likes of Stone Cold being on Team WCW, which just never made sense for me. Mm. Um, I, I think... If you've got the NWO guys on the other side of the ring, you can have Austin, Rock, Angle, you know, the, the very top guys yeah. on the WWF side. Yeah. Um, but I'm just, uh, there probably needs to be more, you know, rungs to it. But I think that's the start point and that's the end point. Um, so I don't know how much detail. To, want to talk to, through to, to go in, uh, in between okay yeah well, this would... does just feel like a chat <laughs> <laughs> well i would uh, so what what we what i i thought would be um quite a good way of finishing it um would be war games wcw versus wwf war games mm -hmm. a survivor series do you think what, what do you think of that do you like that idea I think um, what's interesting about it, if you went down that route, is it's actually, you know, the WCW concept mm -hmm. match taking place in WWE with the mixed rosters. So that's different, I, and I, I like the idea of that. I don't know. But what about if, like, we have, like, Bischoff call Vince's bluff saying, I've got a great way of uh, ending this all, winner takes all, but no, no. You'd, you'd never do it. And Vince is like, you know, Vince is like, where's he go? No, no, you'd, you'd never go for this. Never go for it. Um, and then he like runs a video package of like all the classic uh, War Games matches. I like that because it's, it's playing on, I think, what we know, the not only the Mr. McMahon character, but Vince McMahon behind the scenes in mm. terms of competitive nature. And, you know, I'll beat you at your own game, um, which I imagine is the way he would be 
about something like that. Um, and then I suppose you, you can play off the, I don't know, some insecurities on the WWF side. You know, people starting to lose a little bit of faith in Vince and things because they're like, well, he's, he's signed up to this and it's it's their match. You know, we're, we're going to be playing their game in well, yeah, in our house. Right. Yeah. Um, and potentially that adds a little bit to, especially with the ex-WCW guys, to a little bit of doubt. You know, are they back in the right horse? And I suppose looking at it from an insider point of view, these guys all want to keep their jobs. You know, the reality in this situation would be, I want to back the winner. Mm -hmm. You know, whoever whoever's going to come out on top. And yeah, you have to suspend your disbelief because we all know at the end of the day, regardless how any match goes, Vince McMahon's running this company and he's going to do it however he wants to do it. But yeah. for the sake of the spectacle in the ring, it maybe adds just another little wrinkle to the story of potentially some doubt in his leadership. Do you think? Do you think that up to this point, um, so this starts. What do we say the night after WrestleMania? Yeah. Do you think Survivor Series is the first time that we get a WCW versus WWF match? Like a. So like a, like a multi-person official, no, no, yeah. no, even that, but just like a, um, like a Billy Kidman versus, I don't know, right? So Scotty Too Hot or something like that. Like you, you, you just, you just keep having, like WWF just runs its normal program, King of the Ring, No Mercy, um, SummerSlam, and you just have these guys just basically causing havoc, just ruining everything. Yeah, that would, that would get old quickly. It probably would. I think the it's a, it's a difficult one, and it's a difficult one to to wonder how to do right because you've got guys like um, we talked about Booker T previously, who could be a main event guy, you know, and he's there, and he strikes me as somebody who wouldn't be you know, affiliated necessarily with a group. I think he would be a realistic, I just want to get to work. I just want to prove myself. I just want to show I can hang and things mm. like that. Um, and, you know, I, I hadn't set in my mind what you could do with a character like DDP. Um, Not make him stalk the Undertaker's way. Yeah, just something else. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Anything else. But um, And have him get pinned by her <laughs> on TV. I, I suppose for a while it would maybe build the anticipation if you're if you're keeping you know this this new guys to the organization off out of the ring off not off screen necessarily because you'll be building you know a certain storyline but potentially keep them out of the ring in terms of having matches well um, I, I've just had a bit of a a wee, a wee light bulb what if before King of the Ring you had on a row, Vince comes out, he's fed up of this happening, fed up of this poison in his company. He says, Eric Bischoff, get out of here. What do you want, Eric? Tell me what you want. And he says, we just want a chance. That's all we want. We just want a chance to compete. Um, and he ends, in, and Vince says, so, like, your company, like uh, your company's out of business and all that sort of stuff. 
um, you, you don't have programming, you don't have a network deal, you can't just, uh, you can't just keep appearing online. Um, so, wasn't it, Bischoff says to him, give us a chance, let us enter one of our guys into your King of the Ring. If he wins, you give us more of a chance. Uh, we want shots at the belts. We want, we want big main events. We want to show that we can compete with WWF, with your huge behemoth of a company, Vince. Just give us one chance. So Vince agrees to that, laughing. Whoever it is, they'll never beat any of my guys at King of the Ring. So you put Booker T in at King of the Ring and you stack the deck against them. You have Vince or you have guys like WWF guys um, guest refereeing and stuff like that, but somehow Booker T squeezes through and wins King of the Ring. And from there, you've got Bischoff like tearing about with his big cheesy grin, saying, "I told you, I told you we could compete. I told you we were good enough. Uh, here's what we want now." And he keeps leveraging Vince into these kind of bigger matches, and maybe you have. You get a Hogan in a main event and he wins the title and spray paints it with the NWO so that they've got the belts. You get the Outsiders win the tag team belts and slowly but surely they start to take over. I like it. And again, you know, I, th I think even in, what, 2001, 2002, um, around that time, you're, you're not, it's not as straightforward as good guy, bad guy because what I was thinking as you were talking through it is you know, Vince Vince is being a heel here, mm -hmm. but um, Bischoff is naturally to a WWE audience a heel because he was the competition. Yeah. Um, Regardless now, of what he's doing, he can't be a face. Yeah, he's too uh, smarmy. He, he just is a heel, <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I still like the idea of the... It, it could almost be that Bischoff is, you know pretending to be this sincere character that just wants the best thing for his guys um, and wants, you know, the opportunity and just to be on the programme, you mm -hmm. know, just have a role and all that. But, I mean, knowing who Bischoff is, he could be, you know, hidden camera backstage laughing about how he's going to, you know, take over the company, you know, yes. how he's going to, you know, gonna take, take everything. Yes. And you can play off because, you know, naturally... NWO guys would be all about that, um, whereas maybe some of the other WCW guys are a bit more level-headed and just want to keep a job. You know, they they they're grateful for an opportunity to you know to go out and work and plead in to be in these matches. You know, Booker T delighted to get into King of the Ring, even if from his point of view it's about competing and winning and proving what you can do and proving what WCW guys can do. But Bischoff has this sort of underlying ulterior motive. I love that. And and what you could do is with the guys that you see as long-term being faces that you want to be seen as faces, like Booker T, you see them backstage, maybe uh, Booker's got his, his crown on and all that, um, and you maybe have like a, a, high, a higher a higher calibre face in WWF, say, like you, you did good. Uh, yeah. Maybe just give him a little bit, maybe you see The Undertaker and he says, I'm impressed with that. Actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, I thought for a second when you said higher, you were going to say higher power, and I got a little bit uh, scared. Yes, but, uh, Christopher Daniels. <laughs> but yeah, and I think you know, 
a guy like Undertaker is is someone that everyone wants respect from, so it's the right kind of person to be, you know, good job, kid. You know, just something like that, um, which you could see him saying to somebody new in the company. So, yeah, yeah um, I, I I like the idea of that, and I think it it realistically keeps Bischoff as the heel that he is, um, despite the fact that really on the face of it without delving into it, what he's asking for is pretty reasonable you know he's got this big group of guys he obviously has some stake in you know uh, a role in a company somewhere you know yeah uh, and they eventually did bring in Bischoff so you know everyone knows that uh who he's affiliated with, everyone knows he's... I don't think anyone was purely on one programme, you know. I, I'm pretty sure most audiences were flicking about. They they knew who Aye. the big stars were in both companies. Yeah. Um, and they knew who Bischoff was. Um, and I don't think you can see him on screen without thinking, what a smarmy, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I like all that. And I think it, it works for the characters that are involved. Yeah. So 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 round about so say round about SummerSlam, you you've got to a point where you've had Booker T win, um, the King of the Ring. Um, you've got a pay per view after that that would have been Invasion. So I don't know what that would have been. I'm gonna guess like like a Judgment Day or mm -hmm. something like that. So say yeah. you have you, that kind of that that King of the Ring win takes Bischoff back to the negotiation table and you have these constant segments between the two of them um, dotted uh, between the pay-per-views of them going back and forward and, and, and like you said earlier about like kind of um, Bischoff playing it up as if like this is your company you beat us remember Vince you beat us fair and square um, and then we get okay Booker won we want the outsiders to get a title shot um, so maybe you have Brothers of Destruction versus Outsiders. Uh, you have somebody like Landstorm. Yeah, Landstorm getting an Intercontinental Championship opportunity. Yeah. Um, and what you actually had at SummerSlam was Edge versus Landstorm for the Intercontinental title. So something like that you could yeah. keep. And, and like I said, slowly but surely you start having WCW start to to take all the titles, um, and between Unfor uh, sorry, between SummerSlam and Survivor Series, you could have some good uh, WCW versus WWF um, rivalries build up. So, like you could have Landstorm and Edge going back and forward. You could have um, X Pac, Tajiri, uh, and some of the other kind of um, light heavyweight guys, like like they were called, going back and forward, like Billy Kidman and Shane Helms. Yeah. Um, you could have like Raven mixed in with someone I don't know, like an RVD or Jeff Hardy or something like that. Kane, um, no, because he would be in the tag team title picture. But you know, you know what I mean. You could uh, you could yeah. develop some storylines within there. Yeah. Um, I was trying to think of somebody that could be matched up with Mike Awesome, just because I, I I like Mike Awesome. Um, I always felt he was a bit underused. Aye, me too. Like, he was really good in ECW. Um, yeah. And obviously had that fat chicks gimmick in WCW. <laughs> <laughs> Why? <laughs> what about Kurt Angle? Kurt Angle and Mike Awesome. 
I bet they would have really good matches. I don't know if um, he would maybe need something before that to, because I think by this point, Angle's right up there, you know. Mm. Um, Christian? Yeah, yeah, he could work a decent programme. Yeah, I never want to see Christian wrestle DDP again. So, <laughs> especially if he's going to start doing his tantrums and oh, but the DDP he, will be smiling. He threw himself into those tantrums. <laughs> Christian can do anything. Uh, well, Christian can do everything. Everything. I'm pretty sure when when it all you know pans out and you've got Hogan with the spray painted belt, it's probably going to be Christian that takes it off him. That's 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 the way I see this all unfolding. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's maybe a bit early for Christian's era of dominance. Um, yeah, so that we could build that. Uh, what I would like, what we could do as well is you've got Booker T on this kind of um, rise from winning King of the Ring and he gets to a point where he would be challenging for a title but obviously Hogan's got a title and you yeah. have that kind of a little bit infighting almost like don't, it, don't get above yourself sort of mm-hmm. thing it's still the NW run things uh, you might have won King of the Ring but you're not you know, you're, like, you're not there yet sort of thing maybe they attack him yeah yeah um, I'm, yeah. I'm thinking. You remember the uh, the way they worked Batista with the Triple H angle, uh-huh. um, that kind of thing. You know, just Hogan chatting with his buddies about the fact this guy's getting a little too big. You know, uh, we need to take him down a peg. You know, that kind of thing. Um, oh, you could definitely work that. That'd mm-hmm. be class. And then you could work that right up to Survivor Series, and you wouldn't. Maybe they beat him, and he's gone for a while, and you don't know if he's going to be on the War Games team or if he's even mm-hmm. going to turn up. I don't yeah, know. and I, it's the kind of role I like for him as well. You know, um, just in in terms of the character he always was. I think he yeah. he would hate the idea of being seen to be held down by anyone. And, you know, it's the kind of thing that strikes me as I'm pretty sure, rightly or wrongly, the day he arrived, he was pretty confident he was the best around, but maybe hadn't had the opportunity to show it. So, yeah, um, I like that for him. Um, I'm I'm still not sure who I would naturally align with the three of the NWO, but, yeah, we can, we'll, we'll get there. What, what I think we want to be doing in between SummerSlam and Survivor Series is getting some of these dream main event matches. Okay. Um, so the, the thing about Hall and Nash is, yes, uh, Kevin Nash had his run as Diesel and he was champion, but he's not, in, in my mind, he's, and, and Scott Hall, is, I liked Razor Ramon as well, and we spoke about him before um, when we were talking about Intercontinental Champion. Uh, on our Intercontinental Champion episode, but like Kurt Angle, Jericho, Benoit, Austin, The Rock, uh, although Triple H was injured at this time, like Nash and Hall to me are not on the same level. No, I would agree with that. I think I think um, Nash was for a for a wee while in his run, as you say. I, I don't know that Hall ever was. I think he was always that one rung below that. Mm-hmm. Um, very very good worker, but. I mean, when you hear the stories about how pissed off Austin was about the fact that was his mania match, you know, and he just felt it was a bit nothing, you know. Yeah. Whereas uh, 
you know, Rock got Hogan and uh, things like that. Um, yeah. So in that case, why don't we keep the outsiders? Basically, we have the outsiders go back and forth a program with yep. Undertaker and Kane. Yeah. Almost the whole invasion, they're always there. Yeah. With Hogan. But H- Hogan's the main star as far as WCW and NWO are concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, you have Hogan work with Rock. You have Hogan... Yep. I, I'm not, I don't think Stone Cold. I don't think Austin would work with Hogan. Yeah, there were there were apparently. I, I think this was maybe on a Pritchard podcast, but he was talking about the fact that, firstly, there were there were some trust issues. Um, Austin was never the biggest fan of Hogan, the politician, um, and I think secondly, I think Austin always felt like their styles wouldn't mesh mm-hmm. in a match because. By that point, Austin was a brawler. He, you know, um, after the neck break, he wasn't doing an awful lot of, you know, wrestling moves and things like that. And I think Austin had the the fear that they couldn't pull off a really good match, the two of them together. Um, Neither of them had that athleticness about them uh, anymore by that stage. It's it's a shame, actually. Um, Do you know, I've, I've got this... This is, this is really sad. I've got this vision in my head, right, of Austin just beating Hogan in a match, um, stomping a mud hole all over him, mm-hmm. and uh, Hogan hulking up. Austin punching him and him hulking up and hulking up, and mm-hmm. uh, him doing the point. And uh, Austin just gives him the double fingers back and hits him with a stunner. Um, that's it. But yeah. I, I feel like that would just like blow the roof off of someone. That's, that's I, I, I think it would. I think, um, do you know, it, it could be a situation where it wasn't even a match. You know, it was some sort of confrontation in the ring or something mm. like that and they just start brawling and those things unfold. Um, or that for, for one reason or another, it was a very short match because I think it, it would probably have to be. Yeah. Um, I don't think either of them could have at that point, you know, carried it too long with the other. And it's probably not a match where you would have a huge amount other than from finishers, a huge amount of selling or anything like that. I think that there's a lot of reasons why The Rock worked better as the Hogan opponent and it worked perfectly. You know, the the, the match couldn't have unfolded better as far as they were concerned. But um, the only issue, I, I loved that match for everything it was. I, I thought that, you know, the way the crowd were into it, the way the crowd actually turned it, mm-hmm. you know, they, 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 they were pro-Hogan. Um, and the Hogan turn that took place at the end, It that kind of has to be... An end point for Hogan as the heel, um, uh, which yeah. is where it's it's. I mean, they could have had a different type of match. You know, they could have had a match that was you know there was a a, a run in or something. You know, um, no no clean finish or something like that, um, because that match for those two felt like an end point. I don't think you would have had a rematch after that. Um, but yeah, very very good for what it was, and I would hate. I think I said to you on a on a message when we were looking at this, I would hate for that match not to be there. Mm-hmm. So, you know, however this all panned out or whether that took place further down the line or, or whatever, um it's uh I think it was a really important match that, that should exist in whatever booking scenario you come up with. <laughs> so, with that in mind, if you're thinking that like a match with the two of them would be like too slow and and methodical. What if you had round about 
So you've got SummerSlam. What about round about Unforgiven? You have Bischoff come out and say, well, we've got the title now, Vince. Um, why don't why don't we why don't we have a little uh, why don't we put it on the line why don't we have two of yours two of your best two of my best let's put them in a fatal four way and put the title on the line and you have Hulk saying hey, like bring it on doesn't matter who it is brother <laughs> um, and you put like Austin Rock Hogan and Booker T in yep. a fatal four way and you have that kind of You've got that issue with Booker T. Maybe he, well, he atta- you know, like he doesn't just, um, he doesn't just fight Austin and, and Rocky fights with Hogan as well. Maybe that's when the NW beat him down on the Raw after that or something. Yeah. Um, and in that way, they've got less work to do. You've got, you've got yeah. like the, um, the sight of seeing Austin Rock and Hogan all in, in the. Uh, in the ring at the same time. Yeah, I like that. Um, and I think that's a good way around it. You know, the, the actual um, come together of the two, you know, at the point that it happens and it only needs to happen for, you know, a minute or two, it's going to be electric. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you, you know, y- you can have somebody else interfere and they're, they're separated or a tag or sort of something like that or whatever I know, needs I know to happen. Who to. Who's that? Ric Flair. Now, we haven't really touched on Ric Flair in this, have we? What if Flair came out? But, uh, what if Flair came out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Who would he side with? This is this is difficult because I, I think I'm... I associate him with WCW and I know he had those... You know, it was only really a couple of years in W... Probably less than that in WWE and achieved a hell of a lot in a very short amount of time. But for me, you know, it was kind of he and Sting were the, the WCW guys. That was the way I grew up thinking of it. Um, and I think he he had so much heat and issues, though, with Bischoff and the NWO. And, you know, Bischoff, I think, firing him and stuff like that, that it's potentially, you know, if he walked out in this scenario, I as a viewer wouldn't know who to expect him to ride with, which can be a really good thing. Oh, right. Okay. Yep. Okay, so, here's a scenario. Fatal 4-way, Booker T, Hogan, Austin and Rock for a title, right? Um, You have the matches, a back and forth and all that sort of stuff. You get the iconic um, picture of the three of them whilst Booker T's out the ring or something like that, you get the three of them looking yep. at each other. Um, eventually, not uh, Nolan Hash, Holland Nash <laughs> come down with baseball bats and beat everybody up. Um, but Austin and Rock start getting back into things. They start beating them up. Then you have like the kind of mirror um, image of what happened with Hogan, but you have Flair, can you hear the woo coming over the the thing and, and Flair comes down and you have Heyman say but whose side is he on? Oh, <laughs> oh lovely like, callback I like that? that yep he gets <laughs> he gets in the ring and he has to he like I don't know he looks at them both they're like lined up he looks at them both and uh, gives Rock a thumb in the eye Austin a low blow he lets the NWO beat them up 
and gets out the ring. Gets back in the ring, he's got a can of red spray paint and he spray paints WCW on Austin and Rock's back and leaves. Oh, oh. oh nice. This, your, your, your brain's working. It's, uh, it's going, you've just highlighted one potential issue in my mind, but not with that. But it was when you mentioned Heyman, who I can picture selling up the hell out of all this on commentary. Because <laughs> I, I think Heyman and JR was one of the best yeah, me too. duos. Aye, absolutely. And the thing is, if you're not associating ECW with any of this, you know, they're they're just the guys that are there working. Um, he, it's not that he doesn't have a dog in this fight, because for anyone with any inside knowledge, he would be very much on WWE's side because they basically helped him keep afloat for years. Um, but he's so good as a heel commentator. He also worked for WCW, you know, for yeah. years in the old days. So I suppose it is believable that he, he backs them. Um, I'm just imagining the back and forth with him and JR, who also worked for WCW. Um, yeah, I'd, I'm just thinking, would, it, would he be able to convincingly take the WCW side, Heyman, because I, I, that's the way round I would like it to be, um, or would that come across as a little bit forced or false? Well, a, a good a potential way of doing it is you have him come across as anti-McMahon. Uh, he, oh, okay. he bought out my company, he's bought out this company, he's yeah. created a monopoly in wrestling. Like guys yeah. have not got anywhere to go but here, and yeah. he's not letting people come in here. Give these guys a chance or something like that. Yeah, no, that's fine. That makes sense. So um, rather then, than being like kind of pro WCW, he's a bit more like anti WWE or not anti WWF, but anti Vince. Yeah, which um, yeah, that works. Yeah. And, and leaning on the ECW things like kind of like a shoot a little bit and yeah, um, makes it a bit more kind of realistic. Yeah, it's a shame that duo weren't around a bit longer as commentary. Actually, I really like them. Yeah. Um, I, they were Mania Seventeen together, weren't they? Yeah, there was some f- phrase Heyman used. Uh, it was, I can't remember the exact wording. It's something about, you know, was it in Washington? Was it, and did he say something like how he's just got to DC and he's already seen Bush or something like that? <laughs> <laughs> so after you, after we've had Flair, we, we get a... A coked up flare promo on uh, <laughs> Raw the next night. He says, I, I didn't want to have to side with these scumbags, but I'm WCW through and through. If there's going to be a fight, then I'll be fighting for WCW, not, not the NWO and not the WWF. Yeah. Um, what about if he then said, and there's a few more with me, and he points up to the sky, and who's up in the rafters, Adam? Well, uh, uh, should I try and... No, I can't do this full Shivani. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll just more calmly say, It's Sting! But it doesn't come down or anything like that. It just stays up and he's just yeah. looking down. Yeah. And that, I mean that, I don't know how much of the old, you know, Nitro stuff and all that you've gone back and watched, but him just doing that was some of the best stuff they had. Um, they the- basically... Didn't I think he didn't wrestle a match for a year or uh, something like that, um, and yeah, I, I like him as this mysterious in the rafters character. So yeah, so so what about if uh, what I'd I'd like to have seen uh, Rock versus Sting. Um, That's a nice matchup, yeah. 
so maybe the next pay-per-view we get like Flair versus Austin. Austin's annoyed because of what Flair did. Um, maybe Sting interferes in a rock, like a rock promo or a, a rock match on Raw or SmackDown or something like that. So we yeah. get a few more of these dream matches. Although I, I don't think Flair v Austin's exactly the the biggest dream match, but um, maybe we get like the NWO versus. I don't know, Booker T and the Brothers of Destruction. Yeah, after I th- we've I think... had that wee we thing between Undertaker and Booker T, and and there's the, the issue between him and NWO. Yeah, I think that would work, and I think it, it is important to to think about the fact that there's so many dream matches out there that you know we, we would have time after you know once the dust settled. If you've signed the likes of Sting, because yeah, I know that Sting Undertaker was always a big thing. Mm-hmm. It was the these two mysterious characters, um, but you, that that can happen way after. You know, uh, the the whole thing can be done and dusted in terms of any invasion, um, and that can be built for a mania or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, so I don't think that's one you would want to rush. Um, and there's there's you know other dream matches out there that you know you can get to them um but i think those ones would be good ones to put in these sort of in between uh periods as you're you're building towards the sort of climax of the feud so so we've kind of moved like right up through the calendar so so setting up survivor series yeah so that would be november wouldn't it yeah so you have Vince come out and say enough is enough enough of these WCW invaders running about the company, they've had their chances you wanted someone, King of the Ring I gave you that chance, you've wanted uh, main event shots and all that sort of stuff, you've conned me too many times Bischoff um, one one final no, or, or what if he just says you're done, next time a WCW wrestler steps foot uh, on WWF property they'll be arrested. And then you get that's when you get Bischoff coming out and say, Luke Vince. Uh, and he butters him up and all that. And he said, what if we just have... And then that's when he does the kind of, no, 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 you wouldn't go for that. You wouldn't go for that. What if we just have one <laughs> more shot at it? Winner takes all. And, and Vince says, why, why the hell would I? And gives him all that sort of stuff. And he, he baits him into it. And we just get a full card of WCW versus WWF. So you've got guys that have went over like Big Show fighting for WWF. What what I think we need to do is keep guys that are on the WCW side that do go over that they have to have wrestled for WCW before. Yeah, yeah, I would agree with that. I, I hated I, Kurt Angle going over and all that. It's just total. Yeah, that that made no sense. I test. mean, he, yeah. It, I suppose people can argue the Austin one. I hated the Austin one because to me it didn't make any sense. But at least he had actually uh, been there, you know. Um, the Angle one was just crazy. Um, although I did like them making Angle the hero in the situation, mm. but I, I just didn't think it was realistic at all. And something else I liked that they did at that Survivor Series was the Immunity Battle Royal, um, where. Regardless of who win, who wins the overall war, yeah. the winner couldn't be fired, and it it's just a good way of like 
getting all your kind of lower card guys into like a big kind of Royal Rumble yeah. type match. Who, who won that again? Do you really want to know? Uh, remind me. Test. Ah. Uh, so every everyone watching can just rest assured that regardless of what happens, <laughs> Test has a job. They're going to keep getting to see him on TV and on pay-per-view. Yes. The relief. Oh. Do you know From what? all the testicles. <laughs> There's nothing like some testicle relief. That's for sure. Um, do you know what? Uh, you know, I said to you, I was watching uh, WrestleMania 17 a little yep. bit of it earlier. Um, Test was fighting Eddie Guerrero, and Test gets a huge pop when it comes out. Oh, wow. The, the testicles are running wild in, in te- Houston, <laughs> Texas. <laughs> yeah. I. I, I only remember like this tiny bit of a run and then he was in a tag team with uh what did you call him earlier the the hairy guy the pierced hairy, the pierced guy. hairy guy yeah tna yep ah. good old days <laughs> um so for survivor series we want to have the outsiders v uh, the brothers of destruction yep and they've had all sorts of matches so I don't know, you, you don't stick them in a, in a hell in a cell or a cage or anything like that because we're doing a war games. Maybe you have like a street fight or something like that okay. for that. Um, we have the Immunity Battle Royal with a bunch of kind of randoms. Um, yeah. We have the Intercontinental title. Um, maybe you've still got Landstorm in there. Maybe you do like a four-way so that you've got like four kind of those guys that are at that position, of, you know, that kind of glass ceiling. Yeah. But so maybe Edge and I don't know who else. Lance Storm. Who else did you have? Uh, RVD. Although none of them would be WCW. We want it to be like if it's Fatal Four, we want two from one side, two yeah. from the other side. That's what's yeah. Uh, Just thinking as well, if your uh, main event is the uh, War Games match you mentioned earlier, Holland Nash against Brothers of Destruction. I'm imagining Holland Nash definitely would be in the War Games team. Nah. No, you're not putting them in. Nah. Okay, that's fine. Because uh, that was that was what that was my reason for trying to keep them. You know, we had that conversation about them not actually being at that kind of tippy top. Right. Um, so you wouldn't. Okay. Okay. Credit to Conrad for tippy top. Um, <laughs> Aye, so what we want it to look like is like the greatest main event of all time. Okay, that's that's fine. I, uh, I'm very, uh, I can easily come up with, you know, this elite team. We'll get to it, but this elite team from the WWE side. But it'll be interesting when we talk about the WCW side, who, who we can fit in there. So, so at this point, at that top level... We've, def- we've definitely got Hogan. Yeah. We've had Flair, and he said, if there's a fight for WC or if there's a fight for control, I'm fighting for WCW. So you've got Hogan and Flair. Yeah. Putting Booker T in you've there? Got, yeah, Booker T yep. and Sting. Okay. So you've got four. Is it five man? Four. Uh, more games? Four man. Oh, four man. Four okay. four, right? Okay. So that's okay. What do you think of that? I like it. Um, it's a bit geriatric. A wee bit. I think you're probably looking at um, <gasps> Booker. Booker carrying a fair bit in mm. there. 
what if we, this is going off the rails, but what if, oh, yes, well, this is a bit harsh on Booker T, right? Okay. But what if you have a commotion, you have like JR saying, my God, there's a commotion backstage or something like that, <laughs> and uh, Booker T is laid out backstage, okay. and at this point they've not announced who's in the War Games matches, right? So you have, say you have Hogan would, I was going to say Hogan would have to come out last, but in this scenario, say didn't they come out last, say Hogan came out first, then you had Sting, then you had Flair, and the very last one is the last WCW guy, and then you hear the dun, 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 and it, you see all the security guards knocking on the door, dum, dum, dum. Now, I'm total, uh, contradicted myself because I said I didn't think much of Goldberg, <laughs> but that would get a pop if you've seen him. I would get seen, a huge pop. If you yeah. get Goldberg coming out there. And I think, you know, they would never do, well, well back then they might have done it, they definitely would never do it now where, you know, a huge star hasn't been on TV, hasn't been built, mm. hasn't been hasn't been billed to be there. But I think you and I are similar in really missing things like, you know, the surprise. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I think that's a, a very good call. Um, I think the only other thing I was wondering about was if, um, if you wanted a bit more youth in it in some way uh, is whether Flair could be in like a managerial role or something rather than in the ring but oh that um, works that works yeah and Cause, then because you could you could have him reference all the war games that he's been in my body's not up to it anymore but my yeah. mind's still there yeah and he doesn't want to let the side down you know when they're fighting for you know the company that he holds so holds so close, so he needs it to be guys that are sharp in shape, you know, ready to go, things like that. Um, oh, that's good. But then it, <laughs> it opens up another spot, and it's whether you... Because the the Goldberg thing works better if it is a late surprise, you know, a late entrance. Aye. Um, it also works better if you... Like, if you think you know... Like, sorry, what I mean is, it works better if you don't have three and then, like, oh, who's the fourth man going to be? Yeah. It, it works a bit better if it's, it's going to be... It's like, a change. It's ah, a yeah, change. Yeah. 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 Um, so I don't know whether there's anyone else that... DDP, you could put in. Yeah, yeah, you could do that. Because um, I think we, when we were looking at the rosters, felt like, for the guys who were actually there... Um, aside from, you know, ignoring the NWO guys, ignoring Goldberg, Sting, things like that, he was probably next in line below Booker T in yeah. terms of, you know, name and stature and things like that. So, yeah, it'd probably make sense for him to be said to be involved, even if he... You could do it with either him or Booker that ended up not being in the match. It'd be better for... I think it would work better for that. Obviously, we've been building Booker T mm -hmm. up to be this kind of main event status. So, yeah. you have DDP attack backstage... And you maybe you hear that it's it was the NWO that did it, or there's speculation that it was the NWO that did it, or whatever. Yeah, um, that works. Who's, so, your, who's your elite WWF team? So I've got three that I think are just immediately the the, the first guys that sprang to mind. Christian's uh, already involved in a match, remember? Ah, damn it! Right, I'm gonna have to go <laughs> Austin, Rock, and Angle. Yeah, as three. One I wondered about, and I'm not sure whether I put him in this role, and I don't know if 
I don't know what your thoughts are. Jericho, as a guy who is potentially, you know how you touched on earlier, they throw him the can of spray paint and things like that, and him potentially being the, we don't know for sure if we can trust this guy, you know, because I think you need that element of doubt on the WWE side. Um, There's no way... And yeah, they, they put Austin on the other side, but it didn't make sense. There's no way Rock would be, mm-hmm. you know, even contemplating being on the other side. Um, Kurt Angle never made sense. He, he was never there. It's it just, yeah, maybe, ridiculous. Maybe ECW's obviously got a... Yeah. Nah. yeah. <laughs> He's not a Paul Heyman guy. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I, th- I think it'd be, for me... Good to have just that slight wild card element of could he could he turn you yeah know? and they could play that up them? yeah and we could see different instances of him being favoured by WCW guys maybe mm-hmm. maybe they beat everybody down but just leave him alone yeah and like and wink at him and all that sort of stuff it's the only thing that gets me about these and I've seen it because they do these angles a lot and I think this was a classic old school angle that they used to do I remember it was done with Sting and the NWO as well um, why would you put him in the team if you had any doubts mm. but um, I'd just want him in anyway <laughs> uh, uh, well, you, you could have maybe Austin and Vince going back and forward and, and Austin saying he's a liability and, and and Vince maybe convinces him by saying like, look at all the matches you've had together he's, mm-hmm. he's I don't know he's a main event damn it yeah um, or Vince could be playing the, I, you know, I brought him to my house. He was desperate to get out of that company, yes, you know, yes. things like that. Um, and that would play into Vince really wanting him, you know. Um, whereas Austin has seen everything going on as a wee bit like, mm, I don't know. But yeah, mm. um, I think that that's that's a good way round it. I think. So. We've got our teams. So uh, say again, Rock, Austin, Jericho, Angle. Yeah. Versus what is billed to be DDP, Hogan, Booker T and Sting. Yeah. That's proper WWF versus WCW. Yes. War games. You've got Flair and Bischoff standing behind the one team. You've got Vince standing behind the other team. Yeah. Um, that, that sounds awesome. <laughs> Um, you get obviously with the war games you've got one guy coming out then someone from the other team and then two versus one and all that so eventually once Goldberg comes out you just get this iconic scene of WWF guys standing in one ring WCW guys standing in another ring just staring at each other and then they both just go at it yeah one question because you know the, the psychology behind the war games I don't know that I've ever seen one where it wasn't the heel team that had the advantage. You know, they always mm. had the man advantage. Mm. Um, and with this being a little bit blurry in terms of, you know, what the lines are, do you think it would have to be Team WCW that had the man advantage or would you go the other way? Hard to say. I think the the reason I, I'm, I'm thinking it would be more of them, and it's not clean or clear-cut in either direction, but I think... Hogan, you know, he, he, he had more recently been over as a heel. Mm-hmm. Um, and 
I think, you know, any, anything that is Hogan affiliated with NWO had the heel connotations, even if it was cool heel. Um, whereas on the WWE side, you know, even even when, say, Austin was a heel, he was getting cheered. Even when, I mean, I don't know that even Kurt Angle was ever full heel, you know. he, he, he was always heel. Yeah, and always that underlying respect, I think, that, that people had, even when they're chanting, you suck, you know, it uh, was... Yeah, yeah. It was done very affectionately, I think, for, for the most part. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm imagining it as being... Because... I don't think that would work. I know what, I know what you mean, but I don't think that would work mm. because we need Goldberg to come at last. Ah, you're right. Okay, so... But yeah. the thing is, is that with war games, you can't beat the team until everybody's in the ring anyway. Yeah. So, so even if one guy's taking a beat and maybe if WWF guys fighting over who gets to I don't know punch who gets to, to start the, or, uh, I, or like if when there's two of them in the ring one of them's just sitting in the corner yeah I, I think you have to as well that's a bit, bit heel behaviour I think you have to have something in the match as well with Jericho where you know do they do the old routine of somebody's holding the WCW guy Jericho swings mm. a punch the guy ducks, Jericho, you know, punches Austin or Rock or someone like that, um, and it just adds to the what's going on here, you know, uh, type type feeling that's that's because I don't know in terms of how you see it playing out. Um, I assume the the WWE team has to win because we are where we are, and you know, I suppose. I was trying to think previously if there was any way to... Because I think we both had frustration that WCW didn't get put over in any way. They were just buried. But uh-huh. it's not so much having to win every match. It's looking competitive. It's getting the big matches and things like that. Oh, absolutely. So I'm assuming Team WWE goes over in this match. Yeah, they kind of have to. Yeah. Which, in a way, is a shame. Uh, the, only, the other way you could do it is that WCW win in a kind of sneaky heel way uh-huh. um, and Vince says something like like I don't know you won but you didn't uh, uh, I was just trying to think maybe you get to a point where he says you, you've not won everything here's Smackdown go away yeah. never come back here you can have your show. You've showed that you can compete with the big boys, mm-hmm. but go away and never come back. Here's SmackDown. From now on, you can have Nitro as SmackDown or, or SmackDown as yeah. Nitro or something. Like that. So I've actually got in my notes um, Thursday night Nitro or something like that because I, I, for years now WWE has tried to create and play this fake story of Raw v Smackdown and it's never really meant anything because people move across and turn up on the other shows and all mm-hmm. that all the time but here the, there was an actual opportunity now there's so much to take into account so whatever network had Smackdown might have been saying eh, no we want Austin and Rock on our show you know ah fuck then this is a fancy booking <laughs> but imagine the, the the sort of real element of it of having these two separate companies, each with their show, not competing directly because they're on different nights. But um, you could legit do it. 
you could legit have them competing, mm-hmm. um, and you could legit have Bischoff run it. Yeah. Um, if Vince wasn't so much of an egomaniac, mm-hmm. like, and obviously it's all part of his, um, is all part of his success. If he wasn't like that, then he might not be as successful as he is. But yeah. if he just let go a little and let them do that, it would make him so much more money. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, and it leaves it open to maybe you have a WWF invasion of WCW Thursday Night Nitro in uh-huh. the future. Yeah, We're and I think take it back. I think when you when you got your dream matches, you know the the crossover matches. I think they would mean more because they're not you know on TV together every week and things like that. So I remember they were talking about. I think it was on the Kurt Angle podcast. Um, he was talking about his media match with Shawn Michaels, and he was saying they they were on different. One was on Raw, one was on SmackDown. They'd never had a match. They'd never touched. And the first uh, point where they had physical contact with each other was at the Royal Rumble, which is where they sowed the seeds for the match at mm. Mania. Um, so you do have things like Rumble, where mm. something can be created that you know because both uh, people from both rosters are in the match. Yes. Um, and then King potentially, the yeah, to any anything with a tournament, and then potentially Survivor Series, although. I wouldn't really want it done the way it's done just now, which seems always a really forced Team Raw v Team Brand SmackDown. Warfare, yeah, um, yeah, but there's there's opportunities there. Yeah, you, you do like more of these, um, the battle, you know, the Andre the Giant Battle Royal at um, WrestleMania, you have 20 guys from each side, 15 guys from each side or something mm-hmm. like that. You have yeah. uh, Night of Champions where you have tag team versus tag team titles, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. Um, cause that, that was one thing I was going to ask about earlier when, when you were looking at all this because it, it never really played into how I was thinking things could pan out you've got these WCW titles and the the only reason I really liked those coming across is because you got to eventually crown an undisputed champion mm-hmm. um, I thought it was a little bit of a mess when you had you know Two world titles, you know the two Marcus, sets tag yeah, titles, yeah, um, yeah. and I, the the only sort of satisfaction I got from it was, you know, eventually Jericho got crowned undisputed, you know, and it it, it felt like it meant something, mm. but I wasn't sure whether I actually wanted the titles featured. But if they had their own show, then yeah, absolutely, yeah. You, you've got the titles, so you feature them. Yeah, like so, I think. During this whole thing, there's no mention of WCW titles. Yeah. Um, I think you have, they're invading, they want to take what WWF has got, so that's why you have them tagging the belts and all that sort of stuff. Um, and then when, so in this scenario that we've created, they win Survivor Series, but they win it in a hokey way, um, a heelish manner, and Vince gives them SmackDown. Yeah. Um, and then they take their belts and you basically set it up like, yeah, you set it up and it actually looks like Nitro as opposed to a WWF setup with red mm-hmm. WCW things, it actually looks like Nitro yeah that'd be cool and um, you, for me I don't, I don't know what your thoughts are on this but I, I would also have the uh, WCW announced team you know, the 
I'm trying to think who it was right at the end. Shivani was definitely on it. Um, Who's that guy? Scott. Scott Hudson. Is it? Yeah. Um, And I'm. I I always certainly felt that it should have been Shivani because he was the voice of WCW just as much as you know JR became the voice of WWE. You associate his voice with with that company and with those guys, Um, and I think it just allows them to you know he can put in backstory, he can put in anecdotes and things like that, whereas JR, great as he was, um, he's been away from these guys for, you know, years, probably following them, but not commentating on their matches, yeah. you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I think you could have gone full WCW with the show, you know. Um, I, and to- I totally agree. It's really interesting to think how it would have done, you know. McMahon probably would have only given it a week. You know? uh, it's no, no longer Nitro. Back to SmackDown. Yeah, but you you could you could have like like obviously like you could have some amazing things coming out of that. You could have video games, WCW versus WWF, mm-hmm. Nitro versus Raw. Um like we said about pay per views. I, I just you could have guys defecting. Uh, I'm not getting pushed in WWF. I'm going over to WCW. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I'm going to join my mates. They say that it's better over there. All that sort of thing. You could have WWF signing Booker T out from underneath the nose of WCW and say he was the only one that we were impressed with. Like, it, it, it just sets up more of the storyline that mm-hmm. if, yeah, if and booked you can, well, it could work. You can tap into... You probably wouldn't do it too realistically, but... If you think back to the way they booked and talked about CM Punk going out of contract, imagine you had a top WCW or WWE guy going out of contract mm-hmm. or in the final few months, and then the you know the WWE side want to sign him or vice versa. Yeah, um, so you got them courting him. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> I just wonder. You probably couldn't go anywhere with it, but I just wonder what Paul Heyman would make of all of this as the guy who who's sitting there thinking, "Where was my show?" You know. <laughs> I don't know. What did I get? Did I get heat? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know? Um, you know, I said I was watching Raven promos. Um, there was a WWF Sunday Night Heat um, uh, thing, and a coach comes out and he's standing in the middle of the ring and he said. This is the man that calls Sunday Night Heat his playground. And then Raven comes out and it's like, what have they done to Raven? Yeah. Why is Sunday Night Heat his playground? So what I was thinking about ECW was you could have, instead of having ECW as this extra brand or whatever, you could have them as a stable. And you maybe have an ECW stable in WWF and an ECW stable ah, in WCW. Okay. And they're maybe just like a, like a small... Uh, we're we're not talking like Blue World Order, Latino World Order, or whatever, but just like a small kind of renegade group of like guys yeah. like Justin Credible and stuff like that. So guys who are like looking out for each other and like tagging together and things like that, and yeah, um, that 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 makes sense. I like that. Um, yeah, I just wonder where. Obviously, it's not to see these ideas, these thoughts, these suggestions, because I, I don't know about you when you were trying to think of this and, you know, we had four weeks, basically. 
and the amount of times I've wrote something down and thought, nah, and then wrote something down and thought, that's just stupid. <laughs> um, and it, it's so difficult to get right, but even a few of these elements, I think, would have improved yeah. what actually happened. Yeah. I don't... Aye. The thing is, I was thinking about this. Like, at the time, I, I enjoyed it. Um, at the time, I can remember watching the pay-per-view and loving it. Mm-hmm. But it's just as the years go by, you see what sort of um, what what an opportunity it was, and what yeah. an opportunity it is missed, especially now. Yeah. With the monopoly, I know that we've got AEW, but with the monopoly over the last um, fifteen twenty years that WWF have had, it it's essentially ruined wrestling. <laughs> mm-hmm. And what is really refreshing, though, is when you look at AEW who are willing to work with all these other organisations mm. and don't feel the need to, you know, just stomp all over them. They're they're actually... Basically, they've... And I, I don't watch all that much. I do read up on some. But the, when they're introducing guys from other organisations, they're introducing them as elite guys. Mm-hmm. They're, they're, they're not squashing them, you know. And I think it, it just shows what... You know, in all likelihood, they have to do this because WWE is such a global brand and so established that I don't even know how many years it would take to try and compete. But I think to just thrive as a alternative, mm. they've looked at it totally differently and thought, who can we work with? Yep. Right. Here's all these interesting possibilities that are out there. Yeah, I, I would never have taken... Um, this makes me sound like a bit of a snob, but I would never have taken any real interest in who was on the Impact roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but the way that they've worked with Impact um, has really kind of uh, empowered Impact. Mm-hmm. Um, and like you say, like you've got recognisable guys like the Good Brothers on mm-hmm. AEW and then being treated as on, you know, like they're in the ring with Moxley and. Um, yeah. And obviously they're well established, but there's other guys as well. Yeah. It is refreshing. It definitely is. Um, and I saw Triple H saying that they're open to working with people. Um, but they're not. No, not, I think... Not what, in that way, anyway. I think what they're open to do is swallow up independence and, you know, t- kind of take over and do WWE versions of, uh-huh. yeah, uh, it's it's not the same thing as trying to do something that will benefit everyone. Yeah, well, like, when you look at NXT UK, um, like you say, they've, they've just kind of WWE'd um, all the best sort of UK talent and stuck, yeah. and, and stuck them under contract, basically, so that they're not with mm-hmm. anybody else. Yeah. It's quite sad, really. Yeah. But it's. Um, I think it, it. What is happening right now, if anything, it gives people an option, but it also gives the performers an option, mm-hmm. which they have uh, on a big stage. They haven't had for quite a while. I know, for a couple of years, TNA had some decent numbers, um, but they weren't. You know the. They weren't really on the radar. I don't think um, WWE saw them as any kind of threat 
I think there was an attempt to do a Monday Night War at some uh, point. Uh, um, and it just nothing happened. Also. Yeah, and I, I, I remember reading off. about the time that more people were watching the rerun of Raw than were watching the live show of, of <laughs> TNA. So, yeah, it's just different levels. But I think if, um, if they do it right in terms of AEW, it's gradual growth. You know, I think you take years to do it, but working with other organisations, doing, you know... It's not an invasion angle. It's people turning up on a show you didn't expect to see them on. Mm-hmm. You know, it's little snippets of things like that 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 can make it a far more interesting alternative. No, and I think I think if you're like reading up on stuff like this, then you've got a um, a kind of a skewed view of how things look because you to you who's steeped in this uh, steeped in this kind of world and you, and you know bits and pieces about it then it's pretty big to see um, somebody appear that you didn't expect to see mm-hmm. but then you know like your average punter thinks much like your kind of casual fan thinks that UFC is MMA most yeah. people think that wrestling's WWE yeah absolutely um, so yeah uh, I think I think the best thing they can do is, is offer that alternative and 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 maybe uh, snag the odd guy that's out of contract with the promise of of him having a bit more creative freedom. Yeah, which must mean a lot to the guys. You know, we've seen. I mean, it's it's not like he was still at the very top, but when Moxley moved, that that makes a big statement. Aye. You know, that's somebody that they wanted to keep who chose to go go somewhere else. Um, and most of the time, historically, I mean, not being you know, rude about TNA or other independents at, at that sort of level at the time. There weren't many guys who had WWE offers who were choosing to go there. Mm. You know, they, they were going there to get a job to try and, I think, end up in WWE. Um, whereas now it's just, just a little bit different. But as I say, it's they're not on the same level and it'll take a long time before they are, but uh, it's it's good to see, yeah, good to see things there, yeah. just being done differently. Aye, absolutely. So, 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 we have kind of, if if um, if anybody listens to this absolute maelstrom of uh, brain farts, <laughs> um, if they could go back and put it in some sort of order that makes sense, then that would be amazing. But um, I think we've... Uh, I think we've done a kind of half-decent job of trying to fantasy rebook the, the invasion. What do you think? Yeah, I think, like we touched on at the start, it's actually really difficult. And, you know, you can sit down with your, your pen and paper and um, you you put together some, you know, info about the rosters and that, that was really helpful because we didn't know whether we were going to work it as what they had available as what they had or bring in the guys that could theoretically have been brought in by, by spending some money, um, which is more the route we went down in the end. Um, I think the way the show probably came out was the way that my notes came out, which is, here's an idea, here's an idea, here's an idea, <laughs> um, rather than thinking first, second, third, because it, it's just so difficult to put it all together. Um, but yeah, this this one was... It was good fun, but it was tough. It was tough going to actually try and come up with some sort of cohesive plan and probably 
more came out from us talking it through actually on the podcast than days and days of actually sitting with pen and paper because um, I think bouncing off each other we actually got more out of it yeah no, I, I agree and that's what I kind of hoped would happen but yeah. um, I think you drive yourself insane trying to sit there and, <laughs> and on this raw uh, this would happen in the following yeah. week um, yeah it's a harder it's probably a much harder job than what we uh, give people credit for but at the same time if that's your job that's a pretty co- that's a pretty fun job to have and um, I'm sure there's a lot of perks that go with it as well so. absolutely um, yeah so we finished <laughs> we finished with a kind of a non-finish because um, we ended up with WCW <laughs> winning the war um, but kind of cheating or something <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, probably the sort of finish that we would totally criticise if it happened. <laughs> but I do like the idea of them having a Nitro on a Thursday or a Friday and Raw on the Monday and having the kind of opportunity for further clashes down the line. Yeah. Sounds fun. Um, cool. So for episode eight, we are approaching WrestleMania, Adam. Yes. WrestleMania um, season. Yes. Uh, fast lane season, if you, if you, if you feel that way inclined. Yeah. I'm not that way inclined. <laughs> um, don't know about yourself, but yeah. Uh, yeah, I think um, I think fast lane's given some disappointments over the years, but <laughs> uh, you know, because you you have in your mind what you want that mania match to be, and then your guy loses at fast lane, and you're just left thinking, ah, oh, okay. Uh, either that, it's like a kind of nothing match because you know that. There's no way it's not going to be Roman versus Edge or whatever. Yeah, yeah, it's it's like a confirmation pay per view, really. Yeah. Um, we've not really sp- we've not spoke about Elimination Chamber, but um, I've actually not watched very much of it. I've still only watched the uh, the SmackDown one. So. Okay. Um, so you, yeah. you you at least saw them, to some extent, putting over Cesaro, which yes. uh, which made me happy. Do you, know what, um, do you know what I loved? I don't know if he's done this before, but I'm, I'm sure he has, but I hadn't seen him do it before, was the spin. Uh, yeah. The Cesaro swing straight into the sharpshooter. Yeah. That was and cool. I think he has done it, but it's not a common thing. Normally it's just the release. Um, that was cool. I liked it because the Cesaro spin's fun, but, you know, <laughs> you never pin a guy after, you know, making him a bit dizzy or whatever. Uh-huh. Um, so it's good to sort of transition into uh, a potential finishing move mm. uh, I enjoyed that I hope is what feels like his push over the last you know month or, or so just continues because they've they've got a potential superstar there absolutely and his his personality they seem to be letting him just show his personality and, yeah um, from things I've watched on YouTube he's got a really good personality yeah um, I think just, a lot of the time it's just letting the guy speak aye, you know just let him um, be himself yeah um, they seem to be doing that. I don't know if you've seen any of the kind of SmackDown episodes or anything like that, but they've had Edge sort of kicking about backstage, chatting to all these guys, and it's it's actually quite good. Yeah, I've not seen it. You you mentioned it to me that he's um, he's kind of performing that role, which is good because I imagine they're they're kind of giving him a bit of a free reign. Aye, um, that's what it seems like. And I've heard as well that they're they're getting. Daniel Bryan a little bit more involved in booking and things like that, which 
I think it's it's got to be a good thing. Um, just seeing some of these minds that have seen so much and been different places, you know, um, and potentially just bring a little bit of logic, dare I say. Easy now. As nice to see Sami Zayn in a, in a main event setting as well. I like him. Yeah, I like him as well. And I'm not sure what the sort of end point is with this angle he's going with about the conspiracies and the, the do film crew. Do you think we're ever going to get to see what they're filming? They'll probably just abandon it uh, at some <laughs> point and, and start afresh with something new. Mustafa Ali had, his, had it all wiped. <laughs> and he's sitting with his hood up somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, aye, so like we were saying, we're, on the, we're, in, we're heading towards WrestleMania season. So with that in mind... For, C, uh, for episode 8, we are going to do our top 5 WrestleManias from the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, the episode after that, we'll do our top 5 WrestleManias of the 2000s and the 2010s. That's easy to say. <laughs> and, um, well, well that will lead us right up to WrestleMania 37 and the week... Uh, the week of WrestleMania 37, following WrestleMania 37, we'll just do a wee review show. Um, so we'll have ourselves a wee WrestleMania fest. Yep, no, that'll be good. I think um, it'll be interesting because I think when we've done these either top five events, matches or performers or anything like that, I think there's always some similarities uh, in there. But if we're basically looking at, you know, a 20-year period and picking five each, I'm sure we'll have some similarities, uh, but there'll be some differences in there yeah, as well. Yeah. Um, and I, I mentioned to you some, you know, just spring to mind straight away, and some you're, you're thinking, I need to go back and have a look at that, or have a look at the card and think, yep, yeah, I'll watch that one. You know, it'll, it'll be good fun. Ah, yeah, absolutely. Um, good fun to watch sort of some of the kind of boyhood WrestleManias as well. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I've got memories, you know, buying the old uh, video. Uh, videotapes and I remember I think the first one that I properly bought and watched and got into was the Hogan Savage um, from Mania 5 that would have been um, so that's one I'll, I'll I'll enjoy going back and re-watching nice um, my wee boy is really into Shawn Michaels just now and we were watching um, Michaels versus El Matador Mania 7 just the other day Wow. Um, and it took me back to having, you know, Sean had the white tights with like the red lips yeah. on them. Yeah. Um, took me back to having the figure and all that sort of stuff. It's cool. I'm looking Brilliant. forward to that. Be good. Yep. Um, excellent. Cool. Well, I am absolutely exhausted after that. <laughs> all the, the brain power I've had to use, maybe all of lockdown. <laughs> Yeah, I think the next couple are a bit easier, so um, difficult to pick, but easier in terms of research. There isn't as much brain power required. Aye, absolutely. <laughs> Although I do think that my my fantasy booking, I've had my fantasy booking. Um, don't know what the word is. I think we might have to revisit this fantasy booking <laughs> somewhere down the line. That was good yeah, fun. Definitely. Yeah. Um, if. Uh, and anyone listening, if you're listening and you uh, enjoy what we've laid out there, please contact Kevin Dunn and let him know that we are the next Freddie Prince Jr. Um, or get in touch uh, with us on Instagram at Middle Aged Outlaws um, and let us know what you think. Uh, yeah, and uh, 
we shall see you next time for episode 8 for our top 5 Wrestlemanias of the 80s and the 90s. Until then, stay safe. Thanks everyone. Cheers Adam. <laughs>